Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show with Nancy Hopkins, Walt Silva, and Dolly Howard. This is a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. And welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. It's September 14th, 2021. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. Walt, hello. Hello there. <laughs> you want to say oh, hi to our uh, audience? <laughs> I, I, hello, everyone. Uh, I want to say before, because if I, if I, don't, if I don't tell her, I'm going to forget. Uh, Dolly, I wanted to let you know I sent you a question to your Skype directly to you so when you get a chance maybe you can read it after the show and you can give me some feedback okay Uh, i also i also found on our radio chat what was it that i asked it was um yeah you you, at one point at uh 12 16 you said dave isn't here interesting popcorn group is here they're all excited that yasmin is on the shanghai show and then I asked the question, are they still saying something wonderful in quotes? And you responded, yes, Walt. They said they'll be back tonight so we can talk on the show. So, but I didn't oh. get an answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't say it nasty to you. I just said, yes, uh, no. yes, yeah. they will be because okay. they were saying it to me and I wanted you to hear. Well, <laughs> get the message. <laughs> I wish you could hear them like I do. Yeah, they were they they were all excited all day, and absolutely yes, something wonderful happened, and they're excited to have it come out. Uh, But not from them. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's it. Right. They aren't going to go against the rules. I guess they have rules too. Okay, one of the things I was saying, I guess you must have noticed in the radio chat um, where Derek is was saying how the energies of the eagles is, the, I mean, the affected area of the field is much bigger than each individual unit. So the coverage is huge between between the eagles plus all other uh, organ, organite devices, etheric devices. So it, then it hit me. So there is very little of the old energy lingering around then. All that all that blustering from the cabal, oh, we're going to do this, or we're going to do this, it's just hot air to keep people afraid. But in reality, they don't have much of their old energies around me because we keep changing the energies. Um, well, I mean, we're we're the silly ones if we don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, but the energies that are changing, are we changing? Therefore, our energies are changing around us? Or is it the energies around them, the old energies that are being bombarded with, you aren't getting away with this shit anymore? <laughs> or is it... Uh, 
combination that our energies have changed. So therefore, we've read, we have stepped away from the cabal. They don't have our energies to, to interfere with them anymore. So, of course, us taking our energies and moving along has definitely changed the cabal, the deep state energies, which also, if there's energies change, that means the people who refuse to open their eyes and see it, see the cabal peoples, uh, their energies change too. And all I can feel is fear from them. Uh, so... I don't know what else. Do, we, do either of you know the story about the uh, emperor has no clothes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I learned that when I was a kid, and it made me laugh. Well, I'll tell, tell the story, because we talk about it, but I thought, I don't really know. I don't think I really know this story. I think I saw oh. it in some cartoon thing or something once, but I don't really know the story behind it. I understand the, the concept, but, but either of you want to kind of talk about that? Well, the story is not complicated at all. I mean, I'm sure there are many that remember hearing it or reading it in school, grammar school. Uh, they did a st stop motion animation. I remember the that um, animation company. Uh, they were really popular in the 70s. They would do all these stop animation movies like uh, Christmas ones, and they did the Emperor's uh, clothes. Pixel? And no, no, it's uh, it, I remember, you know, like Hanna Barbera. There used to oh, be a company okay, like that okay. it was yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a two-name yeah. production company, and they specialized in stop motion animation, where it was puppets. It wasn't uh, drawn characters, and one of the, those movies that they did. Uh, the seasonal movies was uh, the emperor's clothes, and it was the <clears throat> setup is this is an emperor in the, these old times, like the times of Napoleon times or before that, where you know uh, status symbols were everything. So you have here the uh, the emperor is going to have a, be, a, be featured in a parade across town, and the thing is that. He wants the best, the best of everything, the best shoes, the best hosiery, best uh, cape, the best clothing, the best, I mean, everything. I mean, you name it, it's got to be the best because it's got to be like priceless, just just like the, the emperor is. So uh, this guy shows up, someone he'd never met before, who was a, a designer uh, specializing in, in clothing. And he was just a crook. And what he did is he he spoke so well and so fantastically, he brainwashed the, uh, he convinced the emperor that these were the best clothes and this was the best beast shoes and the best. And what it was, it was, it was, he was, <laughs> it was such fine material of such incredible quality that the emperor I mean, the the guy would make the gestures with his hands, like, take a look at the quality of this fabric. This is the best silk in all of the Orient. Only only the Oriental emperors use the silk. 
And what he what he's illustrating, what the story is showing, in a way, is how intellectually defective these characters were. These uh, emperors and kings of the past that were not geniuses. That they got, they were doing the life, the life. They were living the life they were living because it was given to them, because they were born into that nest, but not because they were geniuses by any stretch of the imagination. So because he didn't want to appear stupid or insensitive to what this guy was saying, or he was believing every word. Oh, those shoes are amazing. I've never seen better shoes than what. So at the, at the very end, he's standing in front of the mirror completely naked. And that's how he got ready for the parade. And, that, and, and everybody is looking around and, and some people are giggling. Others are covering their face. Others are covering their mouth. They didn't understand why it's, it's happening. And oh, uh, someone says, oh, you have to, didn't you hear? The uh, emperor is wearing the finery, the, the finest of everything. So it's so fine that you can't even see it. It's, it's, so, it's so amazing. So and, and some people are buying into this storyline. It's He's naked, but yet uh, you, it's... It, the material is just such high quality, you can't even see it. I mean, you, you have peasant eyes. You can't see how amazing this suit of clothing is. So uh, the, so all the people are applauding and they're praising the, the emperor. And there's a little boy in the crowd. And he says loud enough so that he was able to, he was able to hear, the emperor's got no clothes. And then people started looking at each other that the kid is not lying. He's saying what's actually what everybody can see, but is refusing to accept that the emperor's not wearing any clothes. So people start mumbling and chattering and talking among themselves. And and the emperor is able to hear because now it's, it's getting louder and louder. And he finally realizes that they're saying the truth. He's, he's naked and he's not wearing anything. He's barefoot and now no headdress, nothing. So he finally, you know, caves in and he runs away in, in shame. I mean, that's how I remember the ending. I don't know if the book ending was more complex than that. But in the end, the innocence of a boy was the only one that could face the truth because he had, he had no, uh, no, no alternative. He, he didn't have any negative or positive uh, intentions. He was just stating the truth. And he was not afraid to say that he was, you know, the, the emperor is not naked. He didn't have anything to prove to anybody. So he was the only one facing the truth while everybody was going along with the other, with the lie, which it's it sounds very apropos for that part of the population that's still going along with the lie that we are in the middle of a pandemic that nobody seems to see. It's a, it's a magical pandemic. Because whatever this organism is, is undetectable by any measure of science. It's undetectable by any scientific instrument. And yet, oh, it's it's so invisible. <laughs> this this uh, this virus is so invisible. You can't detect it, but still, you it, it is contagious. So even and even if you're vaccinated. You know, you you can get it from a healthy person, but so my question is, how do you get con a contagion of, a, of, an, of a, an organism, a microorganism that defies all forms of detection? 
I mean, this this to me it goes back to my initial assessment when when this became news. I I remember that I don't I think it was that very that show that week where I think it was the very first week when they were announcing worldwide this this whole pandemic thing. And I remember dousing some questions on my own, and and I remember sharing it with you, is that there is a very simple reason why this, whatever this microorganism that they claim up and down and soar up and down, that it's a real organism and, and it was commissioned by such and such a lab. Well, I don't doubt that maybe something was done in that lab, something was produced, but you have proponents such as yourself that have reasons to assert that whatever symptoms show up is not due to any microorganism, but it's due to a technological experiment with uh, 5G, for example. But uh, I remember saying to you, there's a very logical, rational reason why there is no microorganism. And the, and the fact is, you mean, the cabal has so much money and so much political power and blah, 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 right? But there's one thing is that they're not, is that they're not idiots. So they know for a fact there is impossible to come up with a lethal organism, microorganism, that you can control completely and utterly. Because if you, if you do come up, you do your gene splicing and your gene manipulation in a laboratory and you come up with this horrible thing that kills people, just by looking at them, okay, you, yes, you have this antidote in your back pocket so that even though some of the, most of the population is going to die off, you're protected. I have this. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm sorry, but that no antidote is guaranteed because one of the things about microorganisms, especially virulent, violent ones, is that they, they, they have the ability to mutate at a speed higher than it is for you to take control of it. So they can't run the risk of releasing something into the public that they can't control. It's too risky and it's too dangerous. Now, in the past, populations were smaller than now. So now, when you have populations of hundreds of millions, if not billions of people, do you really, are you really that stupid that you're going to risk releasing it onto the whole population, something that you can get away from you? No. But I have the best thing. I'll just tell people that I have. I'll tell them I have this super, you know, super deathly lethal thing, and it's going to be released. And if you don't, if we don't do, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you run the risk of dying. And that's how I'm going to convince you to get all the shots in the world, because I'm protecting you from this, you know, this horrible thing. That's why I was convinced there was never any any pandemic. It's too dangerous to shoot yourself in the foot. It's that was a bad idea. Since you have this complete control of the media, easy peasy. I'll just convince people that I that there's a there's a, a pandemic and we'll play we'll play everybody. And we'll convince everybody to play and and if anybody dies because you know whatever people are being injected with is not life <laughs> affirming. Uh, oh, it's not, it's not the injection. It's it's is uh, that this this viral thing. It's terrible. Oh, it's a horrible, horrible illness. It's a horrible, horrible pathogen. That's why they died. I mean, not our our vaccines are perfect. Nobody would be 
affected by um, vaccines. It's just common sense. Why, why would you, like for example, now, now it's coming to the surface. For years and years, you, I think her name was uh, Celia Fenn, the lady who claims uh, uh, and swears up and down was a manipulation. It's favor, I think. You said accepted official treatment to AIDS. Well, on uh, Radio 5G that just played before this, there was a tape of uh, a doctor. I don't, I couldn't, I don't know his name because they, he wasn't introduced. He, anyway, I don't know what his name is, but he went through a very, very quick, I don't think it was 15 minutes, of the same situation occurring now, Walt. He said that the, the vast statistics say that people who get the COVID, unless you have an underlying problem, are going to survive it. But what happens is that they go into the hospital and the hospital says to them, you have to have rem, rem, remdesivir. Rem, remdesivir. R-E-M-D-E-S-I-V-R. Well, he goes into the, in, in the talk, he explains it. But what this does is it essentially causes your respiratory system to collapse, this drug. And so, so you go in there, and the standard of care, remember we talk about the standard of care when we learned from um, Dr. Daniels that the standard of care is if you've got these symptoms, then this is what the medical people have to do. If they don't do it, then they can be sued. If they have gone through it, even though the patient died, um, they can't be sued because they followed this standard of care. And the standard of care for uh, the COVID is this remdesivir. I don't think I'm spelling it right, sounding it right, but anyway, which causes the symptoms that kill people because it starts to collapse your respiratory system and they put them on the respirator, which then, you know, kills them. And he's, he went through very clearly explaining the details of it. I, I'm sorry, I'm not, they're not at the tip of my, I don't, I don't want to know what they are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, and to, so what they have is that the, the things that like uh, Regeneron, Regeneron is like you take that and you walk out of the hospital. It's that good. And it's got a lot of documentation towards it. But if you go into a hospital and you say, you know, you want this, then they'll probably not treat you at all because they don't want to have problems with the upper uppers and everything else. However, these doctors came together and lawyers too. And so it's my... Oh, oh, oh. My free doctor, I think it is. Free, F-R-E-E. -E. Um, and you go there, and you can actually... Somebody's done something. I'm getting a feedback. Who's done something? Walt? I was muted. Okay, it's Walt. I don't know why we got a feedback, but anyway. Um, so... Uh, well, actually, I can just look it up because it's in the it's in the show notes for this week, right? Uh, MyFreeDoctor.com. 
myfreedoctor.com. And if you go there, you can actually get prescriptions for the stuff that will cure you. And if you've got a loved one that happens to be in the hospital and they want to put him on this uh, remdesivir, the lawyers will step in and stop that and force them to give the protocol that they know is saving people. So um, it's not like it's not like there is it, you know people are fighting back. There's going to be more and more of this. And the other thing is is that um, they're they're making it mandatory that the medical health people take this vaccine and so many of them know how bad it is because the science you can't dispute the science only they don't talk about the science they give you a bunch of lies and just like i covered last week you know there's no way that this if it is a a covid virus there's no way that this thing is ever going to be contained in the way that they're doing it because you've locked people down Everybody who's got the COVID has got a high strain of it because you're locked down, you keep getting the same stuff instead of going out and getting a little bit of something else and a little bit of something else because the viruses themselves don't want to kill the host. So this is just going to perpetuate this need for more and more and more and more and more, you know, uh, shots over, you know, every four four months you're going to have to do it again. So, it's I mean, it's absolutely insane. But the fact that you've got half of the half of the pharmaceutical companies, half of the CDC itself, uh, and the uh national internet the National Health Institute, um doctors that are refusing to take it and you're giving the um Oh, what do you call them? The post post office. Well, they don't have to take them. It's never been. I haven't seen why the postal people can't aren't supposed don't need to take them. They're the ones running around in outside, and people have to interact. But no, why? Because you don't want your post office to go down. Good Lord, how would you have all those phony ballots out there if the post office was down? That's an essential. What do they call them? Essential. We don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not that stupid. <laughs> right. They need this is this <laughs> essential job, you know, postal people. Uh, what was the other weird one that was? It's they, called selective pandemic. Yeah. Oh, it's look it and, up. It's a, it's, it's a new thing we're doing. And the people that are buying into this, you just, you don't, you know, it's like I I've come to the conclusion that my RN sister, at least is um, she goes to the Church of Medicine. And so going to the Church of Medicine, whatever they say, you know, is doctrine and dogma, and, you know, you got to do play along with it. Well, I am just so happy to hear that so many, half of them, you know, are saying, I'll lose my job before I take this jab. So now they're talking about, well, I didn't understand this. <laughs> this is... I swear to God, maybe I was dozing off or something, but I swear I've heard this, <laughs> that, that some hospital is not not delivering any babies. And I'm going like, how can you not deliver babies? <laughs> oh, true. Th- it is true. But, yeah, they don't have the personnel because uh, 
too many of them walked out. They're not taking that poison thing that jab poisons them. <clears throat> so they don't have any nurses or doctors to be delivering babies. But how do you not deliver? <laughs> I mean, a baby's coming, right? So you say, no, you can't come to this hospital. You have to be in the taxi cab. We don't want not any part all, of it. I mean, this not is... all hospitals uh, deliver babies. It's always been, you have to find out which hospital will deliver your babies. Really? My mother Be always went to the same one. I mean, it was like the only one in the area. So midwives, midwives and doulas are making a killing out of this? <laughs> oh, they must be. <laughs> there were only two hospitals in uh, uh, Lansing when I was having my kids that delivered babies. So I had my choice of Catholic or non-Catholic. And Lansing's big. It's the capital of Michigan, so it's big. But they only had two hospitals at that time who delivered babies. So probably, the, and then there's nurses coming out saying that it's not unvaccinated people that are in the hospitals having problems. It's the vaccinated people. And then you get, oh, the, yeah. you get the CDC or the FDA. I'm not sure which, but probably both that um, if somebody dies within 14 days of the vaccination, then they're considered unvaccinated. <laughs> so, they, oh, they yeah, died. Yeah, I just heard that. Now, that's a bunch of... that. How? Oh, I have no words. How are they coming up with this story when before, if you were in a car accident and, and lost your head, you died of the COVID? He didn't die of loss of head. And the other thing I, they were pointed out was that the people that are getting, are being admitted to hospitals are people that are coming to the hospital for other reasons and then being tested, which we know the tests are bullshit, and then they get the O positive, so now they're a COVID victim in the hospital. Whereas they didn't go because of COVID, they went because of broken legs. What well, did you know that... Uh, <clears throat> There's no blood donations from the people who have had that poison shot. The blood people won't take it. Nope. You really? have to be non, non uh, poisoned. That... Wow. <laughs> I call it poison. The, the other, th the other uh, subject that's coming up with that, uh, which is like the second or the third time that I see it, is that they're saying. Um, that because the mRNA injection changes your DNA, you are no longer a natural born being, like a creature of nature. You are now uh, modified. You are now mutated. And because the that uh, illness was fabricated, it's it's a uh, DNA manipulated. You are you no longer have the rights of a free citizen. You don't. So so it's like a, what is this new thing? Um, transhumanism thing. So if you've been vaccinated, you no longer have the rights of a free citizen. You're now a, a piece of chattel, 
I mean, you belong to the state. Well, I and think what, I th they're, what I th they're aiming for is like 80% of the people to be converted so then they can do away with the Constitution altogether because 80% of the people don't have any rights. I think it isn't so much that you lose your rights to the government. I think you lose your rights to the patent owner of that stuff that went in your body. There, that was what I understood the the first this this storyline. It started out with well, you know, they put these nano crapolas in in your body, but the company that made them has a patent on it and owns them. So if they own the stuff that's in your body, do they own you? I mean, this is more absolute insanity. But I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I do think it's a transhumanism uh, agenda. That, that that if that's see we get all these different stories, and yeah. we don't really know we don't really really know what the truth is, but the thing of it is is that any one of them could be the truth, any one of them could convince enough people to believe in that reality, that boom that reality starts to manifest, and that's why. Everybody that you listen to nowadays is saying the same thing, which is don't focus on those stories. Acknowledge them, observe them, but don't give them any energy. And I happen to think that um, you made a premise earlier that the cabal is that they're not stupid people. I think they're incredibly stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean... If you just well, they they are because if you, if you if you consider that they don't have a, a, a what do you call it they never changed their playbook never haven't altered it in centuries because they think they're infallible and we don't need to take anything into account I think that's the the biggest Achilles heel is hubris the 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 thought or the belief or the conviction that you are unstoppable and nothing can you can nobody can win over you i mean that's i think that's your biggest you know how can you not take into account that at some point you know evolution is going to win you because because you purposely exist outside of evolution you think life goes the way you want it not the way it actually goes so that hubris is it's your achilles heel but let's well, look at two things okay go ahead I, what about these women that are pregnant and they go and they get the series of poison in their body, which, of course, the baby is uh, being indoctrinated with? I am curious to know how this has harmed the children. You don't hear anything about the the babies of the poisoned people you don't hear anything about that i haven't heard one thing about a baby born since the mother had that put in her system so when they're Nothing. giving births to like toasters and blenders they're not babies anymore i don't know well i haven't heard anything <laughs> they're robots they're little robots <laughs> i think it's sad because that child had no no say in the matter whatsoever, unless the say was prior to it coming to this earth. 
no, I don't want to go into that mother because I don't want that poison. Or, yeah, I'll go and take that poison and and we'll experiment and see what happens. I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I could hear. Well, that that I know exists is that uh, I knew it from my father who's studied that extensively, is that there are no set rules in that case of certain incarnations. And, for example, there are souls that have lived enough lives that they have uh, uh, they they actually can move on to a higher dimensional existence not material existence all the time and they in order to be free of that cycle they just need like one more experience because they wanted to have i don't know uh, the the they wanted to experience what it is to have a mother taking care of you or what it is, whatever it is, it's something short. So they have very short lives, whether it's one year or five years, because that's that's all that they wanted. And now they're free. They don't have to go back to have more material experience and they can move on to another dimension. So he says that's why there are so in the world, even when you have healthy parents and you don't have any illnesses floating around, you have uh, children that die, and nobody can explain why, because he says that soul wanted to go. Now, what happens is that what has changed over the years is that now there are far more souls that want to come in. So chances are the original soul that was in that baby left and was taken over by another soul. Uh, uh, Andrew Bars has explained that. That's that's the way that. Um, souls that would have been filtered out by the system were able to come in. They would do a swap at the moment of birth so the system can't detect them and they are able to be born because he says that that's how that's how thorough the the spiritual controls that they put in place, the you know the cabal. Uh, there were mothers who would have these uh, stillbirths because the system would kill them, wouldn't let the baby be born. So then they changed the tactics. And in order for some souls to be able to come in, they would just stand by. As soon as that baby gets born, meaning he's separated from the mother, they would switch. And that soul would leave on his own because he played his role. And then the one that actually wants to come in takes steps into that body. And the system can't do anything anymore because the, the baby is officially born. He's breathing the air and his body is separate from the mother. So he he was describing in one particular case, that's what happened to the daughter of uh, the lady that, that was talking to him. He says, that's why your daughter is so different from other regular kids. And she's so smart and she's so awake to me because she's a really advanced soul. And she had had two miscarriages before having that baby. And he says, that's why you had two miscarriages, because the system kept looking, kept uh, bouncing back the ones that wanted to be born. So, so that's another part of the equation that we have to take into account. My second thing is what is hu- hub- hubris? hubris? Or, what is that? Yes, hubris please. Hubris is, is the arrogance that, like, I'm a god, nobody can touch me. That's hubris. Like, or let's say you're a musician and you have this conviction or perception about yourself. Uh, nobody is ever a better musician than me. That's hubris. So you're you're so arrogant about your superiority 
in front of in the face of everybody is that uh, you, that's when you're that's when you get blindsided. You're <laughs> you're that's so blinded by your own brilliance that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You, you. you get hit with a curveball and it takes you out of the game. <laughs> I'm done for now. Jeez. Next on this just in. I'm I, I'm looking I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking at um the VARES report for August twentieth. Now that's the reporting that supposedly it's vaccine adverse events reporting system. Uh, they say that this is what only one percent really or ten percent. I forget the number, but like let's say ten percent of what is really happening because so much of it's not being reported correctly. Then you got the naysayers that say that oh people are making it up and reporting it to VARES. <laughs> so you know this is just uh, they're they're well it's August twentieth. And there's a, their 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 figure for deaths is thirteen thousand six hundred and twenty-seven. That's deaths from the COVID vaccine. Five fifty-five thousand eight hundred and twenty-one hospitalizations. I don't believe their numbers. I think they're very low. But even if they, they make them up, well, even yeah. even at the the you know thirteen thousand mark. There are more. That's that's a higher record of death by vaccination than if you took every single vaccine that's ever been out there and added it together. It doesn't come up to that amount. So you would think right off the bat that anybody that was halfway aware would say, you know, this is a (laughs) this is a crapshoot. And what am I getting for this? Take take it in my. You know that that I could be hospitalized, or I could get this palsy thing, or all the other thing that's that's happening. You know, but they're not even told this information. So unless you're somebody like us that's that's looking at you know alternative sources of data, um, you don't even know this. And it's so it's so blatantly stupid, illegal, inhumane that you can't even believe that we're going through this. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a mushroom trip where the entire reality takes on this cartoon feel to it, this cartoon look to it. And you're sitting there and you're going, hmm, look at this, this is very strange. But because it is so outside of what you know as being reality when you're not on the mushrooms you're looking at this and you feel a distance between yourself and what you're perceiving it's almost like there's a a space between you and what your reality is and you're no longer really engaged in that reality and i suspect that that's kind of what's happening to us guys it's got the the new the new word made up by us guys is the normies the norm, normal people, the normies. We're not unvaccinated. We're the normies. <laughs> I thought that was very appropriate. Um, but I think that that's what's happening is that it's gotten to the point where everything around us is so absolutely absurd that it, that it, it we're being coming separated from it. 
It's like, that's not my world, that's not my reality, you know. And when you get into that kind of a mindset and you realize that none of this really has... It, it affects us only as much as we want it to affect us. If we just, you know, say, okay, you're there, but I'm not going to buy into it. You know, the guy comes trying to sell you swamp gas to your... To your or not swamp gas, snake snake oil, to your <laughs> snake oil to your you know at your door, and you go no I don't want any of that and just shut the door, don't put any energy into any of this stuff, but be aware that it's a reality that is totally dysfunctioning, which is what we said would happen. Remember Walt, you know it it was Fuller. He says you got a perfectly <clears throat> good. Reality happening, don't try to change it. Build another one, an alternative one. Get everybody's attention over there, and the, and the first one will just fall apart. And you pointed out that we were living in a perfect reality if the purpose of the reality was for control. And yeah. so, you know, that's when we began. And, to... and isn't, it, isn't it kind of ironic when you take that into consideration? Okay, you have an... an uh, a perfectly tailored reality, perfectly tailored for control. So you have organized education, organized banks, organized religion. You know, every, everything is like, I mean, you can't think of something that's actually free because everything is organized. I mean, organized sports. <clears throat> There's nothing left out there that's not organized and controlled. So you think about it, if everything is a well-oiled machine that's thoroughly organized and controlled, why the major changes? So I think this, this and, and you talked about it already in one of the shows, all of this theater play of the scandemics and whatnot, it's their reaction because they can't, despite their thorough control, they can't control how much humanity is changing and consciousness is changing. So they're rushing to deploy all of these things because they knew it was coming. They knew people were going to wake up and they hated it. I mean, Dr. Costa, when I, back in 2005, when I went to the, the first uh, lecture by him, he said it. That's what the chemtrails are for to hold back the sunlight because the, there is information in light and it's waking people up. That's why they needed to shield from the sun's light. He said that's the, the purpose of it, to shield people from the light because it's waking it, the, the, the light of the sun, the vibrations, the frequency of the sun is changing. Therefore, people are going to start waking up. So the, they knew about it and they started the spraying thing. How many decades have they sprayed? And there was one purpose and one purpose only, to hold back people waking up, because people were supposed to wake up. It's just that the guys who were in, in charge of the game didn't want to release the game. Because if you read some of the presenters that are talking about this this business of the, whoever was in control of Earth this time, uh, they, they openly speak that there was a 1,000-year agreement that for 1,000 years, this group of souls was going to be in control because they were going to be playing this role 
of the bad, like when you watch a movie and you have two groups of actors, these play the good guys and these play the bad guys, the bad guys. So they were, these, this particular group was going to play the bad guys for X amount of time because they knew that reaching a certain point in space, the energy was going to change and everyone was going to wake up. Well, the problem is that those who like the games like the game too much and they don't want to let go of the game to the point that they say, okay, it, it, either we have it or nobody has it. And that's why you're you're seeing the idiocy that you're seeing. And they're rushing, like, for example, you're the one who told me that the scandemic was supposed to be, their idea was to deploy it on something in 2020-something, 20-something, and they had to rush 2030. There you have it. And they're, they're rushing it all, you know, they're half-assed doing it uh, because people are waking up too fast. So that's the, this whole, and the, and the funny thing is that in hurrying to keep everything running smoothly, to keep everything that's under control, under control, it's taking, <laughs> it's breaking down those same controls. They're the, they themselves, with all their manipulation, they're, they're destroying their carefully crafted reality. That reality that they that they created, where every everything is in control, and we control everything, they're taking it down because it's what they're doing as as a response of trying to keep people under control and keep people from waking up. They they're going about it so half-assedly and and so rushed that they're doing what we should be doing instead of us taking down the system. They're taking it down. Because they're all, they're, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we, and so they're they're deploying so many things that they are taking down the system. Whether they realize it or not, I, I don't know if they realize it, but uh, we have to focus on building the, a new system of what we want because they are taking down the old one themselves. So why bother? <laughs> At least that's my perception of it for whatever it's worth. The first rule of war: don't <laughs> don't interrupt your enemy when they're destroying themselves. <laughs> See, and and it's kind of ironic, you know, because they okay. If you go back into time and you look at the uh, Soviet manifesto of how they're going to take over America, it's you know, well, you just have to. You don't have to fire a shot. You just have to control the mines. And so, you know, you target the media, you target the, the school systems, the education system, and then as you've got more and more uh, brainwashed people into your way of thinking, you know, I mean, they tried this back in the 60s. And to a point, just to a certain point, they were, they were successful. Um, they, there, there was all, all of a sudden a lot of... Uh, protesting and a lot of talk and you know uh, all these rich people are controlling everything and you know and it it all began because of Vietnam war it was it was very focused you know we got to get out of this war this war is crazy and they because anybody who had had a have a brain would see it was crazy what are you doing there you're spending a tremendous amount of money somebody estimated that they were that it was costing $50,000 to kill one Viet Cong. So they suggested that maybe they take the $50,000 and pay off everybody and make it a, a, 
a viable community and stop this war thing, you know? I mean, it was that stupid. But they, the, the opposition um, took, took, uh, took note of this, and there was a lot of... You go back and you read some of the stuff that they, they were talking about, the different you know, authors and the different books, and it was all this equality. It was very much socialism, communism, but the key here for the my generation, the '60s generation, is that we were transitioning out of the universities before this even started to crop up. So we went into the established economic capital capitalism and you know the concept of uh, uh, um, participated government and that the people are very much, you can make changes through your government. And we needed the jobs, and so we kind of fell into the storyline until we got older, <laughs> and we didn't need the jobs anymore. And now you got a bunch of people out there that are going, like, very interesting. And some of them are falling for the stuff that they learned when they were on campuses. But the vast majority of us have gone, you know... That doesn't work. I've lived long enough. I've seen socialism and communism fail. I mean, my heavenly day, when when we were in the 60s, we're talking about the Soviet Union. A Soviet Union, what's that mean? Socialistic society. That's what they were... They didn't call themselves communism because... Communists, because the communist is an ideal. That's where you want to be, where every single person would lay down their life for every other person you know um it doesn't work that's not what life is about and because we grew through that myself you know i can turn around and i can say i understand what you're saying trust me i understand what you're saying it doesn't work and not have been so invested in that story to to just shut down any you know anybody like me that would, would that's what they do now but we didn't. We listened. We we saw because it, they didn't have the control over us, the the '60s generation. But then you get our kids, and now, unbeknownst to us, they are being the educational system is being infiltrated with this awful viral thoughts of socialism and taking from the rich and giving to the poor. Well, that's fine, but it doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. What Donald Trump brought to the table was a new concept. And it wasn't a new concept in the concept of theory, but it was a new concept as far as it ac actually being activated. And that's what I call compassionate capitalism, where the capitalistic system is still working on you know, supply and demand, because you can't plan out your economy. That was what the, brought the Soviet Union down. They would have these five-year plans. So they would say, okay, well, we're probably going to need a 1,000 tractors. That means we need, you know, four, four tires per tractor, so we need, you know, 4,000 tires. So make 4,000 tires and make the tractors, and then nobody wants a tractor. You can't plan for five years. You can't, you're not, uh, you know, unless you've got looking glass or something else in front of you. But you can't do that. It doesn't work because 
reality is, is that at the economic level, it's always supply and demand. So when we, our kids, they're getting indoctrinated early on in their adult life, okay, because of the colleges. And I actually could give you a long dissertation on what that all means because I saw it. When I, when I was a history student at the University of Massachusetts, I ended up becoming a voting, voting member of the Faculty of History. And I was voted in by the students because the in order to kind of like get control over the protesting and, and the turmoil that was starting to happen, the history department decided that if they could point to a student that was on their board of teachers, then, well, they're working with the students. And lo and behold, I got, I got elected, and I ended up um, in that position. So I can tell you a great deal about what happens at that level. And I'll tell you, the, the, the rule that somebody told me is the one that stuck with me. He said to me, just be aware that the only thing more political than politics is academia. So I'm like understanding, you know, how this happened, why it happened, and it's all control. Back in the 60s, you had a lefties and you had the pretty much hard conservatives um, clashing to control what was being taught to the students. That's what I saw. Um, so anyway, now you've got our kids that are halfway indoctrinated, but now you're taking our children from, you know, when, when they're in their early teens and, and they're trying to go even, and I don't know how deep some of these systems are, you know, completely presenting a very well-designed mind control because the things that they tell the kids makes sense to a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody should have the same opportunities. Y yeah, yeah. And the government is there to make sure that we all got the same stuff. And, oh, you don't have to really worry about going out and uh, having a team that wins versus losers. No, we're all going to just get trophies because we're participating. Just because we're participating. They take away the thing that makes each human being so special. This, this pride of self. This understanding that we, each and every one of us, is a reflection of the God source. The energy that propels all life. And we are representatives of that God force. Everybody is a representative of that God force. But people who are, maybe like Walt's trying to say, designed to come into the story to put that other slant into to the storyline, you know, what we might think of as the opposition or the evil ones or the dark ones, I mean, as far as you want to go with it. But in reality, it's, to me, is that the, the, the game is not between good and evil or communism and capitalism, it's about how we think about ourselves. How do we think about ourselves? Do we feel proud about who we are? 
do we feel like we're good representations of the God that we hope is a loving, caring, compassionate God? Are we reflections of that energy? Because we're all, we all make up God. And if we're all running around like chickens with our heads up our asses and trying to control people, that's your God. I'd rather put my energy in creating a God because I'm part of God. The collective consciousness of us all makes up the consciousness of God. I would rather that God be full of love and caring and joy and fun and laughter and music. And they don't want any of those things either. So um, we've been at war for a very long time. And I think that, that I hear more and more people talking, you know, actually giving voice to the concept that we are in the Third World War. But people are not aware of it. They don't see it that way. But once you begin to see it that way, as I have for a very long time, then you are more clear on who's the enemy and who isn't. And the one thing that George Patton, and people know that, you know, previous life, that George Patton learned, the thing that in many ways psychologically, psychically uh, broke him was that he had spent a war fighting Germans, the German army, the Nazis, and it was glorious to be a warrior, to fight that evil, that, you know, horrendous force that comes from demonic maybe or whatever, but that evil, you know, and you're, you're a warrior and you're fighting against it. And he developed a hate for the Germans. I mean, you can't, you got to have hate because how else can you do what you're doing? So, but then when he became the uh, military head of the southern part of Germany, and he had to deal with the people, and when he saw the gas chambers. Now, this is a story that I had not heard until very recently, um, that when the dignitaries, Eisenhower was there, uh, Bradley was there, I think Montgomery might have been there, and Patton was there, and they saw one of the first concentration camps liberated. And Patton was so overwhelmed with what he thought, what he saw, that he went around a building and puked his gut out, guts out. And that began a change in him psychically, psych psychic, his psyche, his psyche, how he was perceiving reality. And by the time he had to deal with the German people, he realized that it was not the German people. It was some other kind of evil. It was something else. It was something more. And he had spent all this hatred on the German people, whereas he should have reached out and hugged them. And that would have stopped everything, because the dark side cannot exist, cannot exist in a state of light and music and dancing and joy. The, the energies don't match. That was an interesting discussion I just had. <laughs> Are you guys still with me? I might even be off air for all I know. Yeah, uh, we're still when, with you. When we come back, I have something to say. Okay. So what do you want to hear? Oh, this is a good one. Gary, Gary Allen, Every Storm. And welcome back to Cosmic Reality radio show 
It's September 14th, 2021. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. I'm assuming you guys are back. Yes. Yes. Back for another episode. So whatever happened Whatever happened with the thing that Dolly sent me? What thing? You sent me the link to the uh, brief, very brief <laughs> three-hour presentation by David Wilco. Oh, I listened to him. I just thought it was an FYI if anyone was interested. <laughs> okay, we got a feedback on your mic. Well, I got, took care of it. I okay. shut off the, the, right. the microphone, the uh, speakers. Okay, thank you. Sorry. But before we get started, I want my, I want to say my story. Uh, we have this friend who has a couple little boys, and the one little boy has some issues. Uh, I forgot what they call them, these behavioral type issues, um, thought process issues. So he's a special case, and his mother has to take his food to him at lunch times. And she was told she can't go in the lunchroom. She has to meet him in a certain area in the school. So, okay, they did that. She went to the uh, doctor, and the doctor said that she needs to be allowed to go where his environment is. And uh, he does need to wear a mask in the school because he says certain health issues too. Which, Sounds like he has Asperger's. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. And so uh, last week, the end of the week, she went to school, take him his lunch, and she was refused by his teacher. You can't, You can't do this anymore. She said, it's his lunch. He needs his lunch. He's on a special diet. Well, you can't give it to him. So he had to sit in class uh, or in the cafeteria and not have his lunch. He's five years old. This is kindergarten. And he did go to kindergarten last year, but they had uh, a big accident and Ren was she she was put out of commission for quite a while, and that affected him. Uh, he got to the point where she couldn't be out of his sight without him having <clears throat> issues. So uh, at one point, I think it was after Ren got home, this frickin' teacher sent her a picture via text uh, of him sitting in the cafeteria crying. No caption on it as to why was this picture sent to Wren? What was she supposed to do about it? Could she get to him if she comes to the school? And no response. So, uh, the the mother and father let the 
talked to the principal. He backed the teachers. I guess this has been going on. This kind of treatment to him, plus worse, has been going on since the beginning of school and last year. And so he would cry every time he has to go to school. He cries. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. And he's re- he really is messed up with school thoughts. And so she and uh, the mother and father had enough of that crap. So that very night that the latest incident happened, uh, they went to the principal. He had nothing to say to him. No, they're doing okay. They're doing what they should. The special ed teacher gets this stuff and is supposed to send it on to the teacher or vice versa. I didn't get that part. And it's not being done. So the school board was meeting right there in the school that night. So they went to the school board ahead. They gave them all the paperwork. All of the memos that were supposed to be passed along and were not. They gave them all the other documentation, the doctor's documentation and and the non-communication uh, between his personal teacher and, and uh, I get so upset, I can't think. Um, so... After the school board, uh, uh, they had read through the documentation that the mother and father had given them. After school board was dismissed, the people involved, principal, teacher, two, two women, teacher and the special ed person, I guess, got, got together or they said, no, you stay here. And so those people stayed back. And uh, long story short on that, the teacher, the the school board said to them, we could be in, in legal trouble with this. You don't understand. They didn't say you don't understand. They said, we will be fined if this gets out, if this gets to the people above the school board. We will be fined. Somebody was going to get fired. And the principal said, well, I'm not involved in this. And they said, oh, yes, you are. You are probably number one. And so the teacher got up. She said, well, I have things to do. She didn't give a shit. I have things to do. Well, and so school board said, sit down. We're not done with you. And I guess the other teacher, the other person I've all got talked to, too, after uh, the mother and father left. But I got so upset. And, And these teachers are saying that the parents are being awful, uh, I mean teachers in general in the United States. The the parents don't make the kids behave and yada, yada, yada. And look what this uh, 
this little boy was terrorized last year by adults. They didn't, uh, the parents didn't understand why. Why is he being so uh, mean? He feels mean. He acts out mean. He, and he cries and he just, he's having difficulty existing. And um, so they, and this my, year, my, my, my question here is why couldn't the parents just take that child out of that school? Oh, this is going to happen. I believe Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm sorry. I think that... They didn't know. How do you not know if your kid is crying every day and doesn't want to go to school? Because I understand he's the, got special needs. That's what they thought but see, it was. But see, what was that? It was trust in the system. They yes. trusted the system. And so they, they blamed it on the little guy that he's not really coming around, but they're, they're trusting the system. And this is what infuriates me is that, think about what we got. Most of these teachers <clears throat> have gone through that indoctrination in their colleges. And in the, in the school system, the, school, the people that, again, the people that want power are the ones that run for these offices, right? And so you're confronting not just one, one teacher, it's a teacher that was taught to be like this. To, to abuse children? Yeah, because they don't see it as abuse. They, oh, that's another thing I forgot to tell you. He is in a charter school. And and well, but, depending on what the outcome is from the school board and the uppers from them, uh, they're going to have more meetings. Uh, they might be pulling him out, or it might be getting better for him where he is. So but that, did you guys did you guys notice the obvious to be determined yeah. what? In all your story, in all the details and everything you described, the most obvious thing I see is that that's exactly the way the system was designed. I the parents are the hello? most obvious what? The most obvious thing I, I see and the whole story and every, all the details you've described is that they don't see the parents as the parents. They're just caregivers. And the child is their property. I mean, that's the, the way the system is set up. If that child has an, an official uh, birth certificate because he was born in a hospital, then he's a property of the state. The parents are just feeding him and caring for him until he's old enough to leave home. That's the way they see it. That's why the, the, you sometimes you feel in sense, you say, this is absurd, the way they ignore the parents Think about it. Look at look at the picture that's in front of you. They're treating the parents like they're just the caregivers of this little puppy, but the puppy belongs to the establishment. So it's our business how we deal with it. You're supposed to take care of it. That's it. So the child is not being seen as a citizen with rights, and the parents are not seeing, okay, these are the parents of this child. No, he, they're just supposed to take care of him. So that's why they have to obey our rules. We don't care what they want. They don't, we don't care if they're in pain or they're shot or if they have pain. I don't 
he's just they're just supposed to be caring for the our property don't you don't you see it i mean because otherwise they would be treated with respect and consideration and everything all their opinion would be taken into account because they are the parents of the child the child is underage who who answers for someone who is underage the parents and you can see how the, the parents are being treated with indifference and disrespect that's very this very twisted system but that's the way it's been set up and in the meantime from the accident last year that cracked her skull i'm talking about the mother now she's had traumatic issues with memory with with her skull being cracked and uh, with balance and things, so they're work trying to work through that since this happened last year. Well, she found out before she found out about what's going on at the school. She found out she has to go to Tampa or Orlando to have uh, surgery on her head because it's not growing back together, and they need to try to do something in her brain. <clears throat> she's going to have to have that surgery and possibly a, a plate put on to keep her skull together. So they're going through a bunch of shit all at the same time. And and it really, I wonder why, why is it some people go through life with situations like this, one after another, or, or go together why is it other people live a life of leisure, no worries, just everything is fancy-dancy and okay? Why? Why does this happen? Do we do it to ourselves? Well, I don't understand. I'm done. Well, the choice comes down to do you want to be a victim or do you want to be the owner of your reality? So even if you deal with crap, it, I had to make that choice with myself when this thing happened that I was I was alone in here for a week after I came back from the hospital. I spent that week crying every day because I didn't know why that what happened happened until I asking I started asking questions with my pendulum, and nothing that happened was karmic. It was. In my case, it was my high soul making decisions for me about things I needed to experience. So that took away all the fears because, okay, okay, so I'm the author of this and I'm going to learn from it whatever I have to learn from it, but I'm not a victim. No monster is attacking me. Nothing is threatening me. It's just an experience that I have to live and I'm, I'm, I'm the builder of that experience. So, but that's my case. Not everybody has the same. What I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, or you have a choice. I had, I have the choice to live life like a victim. Oh, wow, wow is me. Why is this happening to me? Or as the owner of your reality, no matter how bad it is. <laughs> I know some have you have nursery reality, others have a poor uh, homeless guy reality, but. I'd rather be the owner of whatever little I have than be a, a victim of it. 
that's that's my takeaway for whatever's worth. Well said. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's like and they they do in this, you know, programming. They do make people feel like victims. I mean, like the poor white people are all being fed so much garbage that they're feeling like victims. You know, mm-hmm. but then but then it started to get so to a point that wait a minute. But this doesn't make any sense. This is insane. And so they didn't buy into it very deeply. I mean, if you just look at at, at the, the, the vaccination thing, they did their damnedest from the top government official down to the, you know, the school teacher to push this vaccination thing on the world. And the figure that I heard is that, in reality, only 38% of the country has been vaccinated. I heard that yesterday. And I don't know if that's true, but I know that at least half of the people in the country still have not been vaccinated. So, and they did a a survey, because they're blaming it, oh, it's all those Trumpers, right? They did a survey, and the people that, the the black people, 60% of them are refusing it. American blacks refusing it so it's not because of what your political beliefs are it's what your probably your gut and your head is telling you now the difference between the black people and the white people is that they have actually taken and used black communities as test victims without telling them for something similar it was the Tuskegee uh, situation, I think. Yeah, but there's an there's an even the even more recent. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, Gene Gene Decode speak about the subject because he I guess he was military. The way he was speaking is that he at what, at some point he was in the military, and he was a submarine. He was. Yeah, that's it, and. Um, he was really busy at the one time. They were um, doing the vaccinations for uh, for the flu. Uh, he, I think, he said what what year around what time, and he was scheduled to go, but he was really busy. And like he he was supposed to be there at the infirmary at such a time, and he had to call and cancel because he was in the middle of something else. So. Um, he said the he no, he noticed that the te- the technician in the infirmary that was giving the shots he he actually had two little type of he had the disposable uh, can little canisters for the syringe so it's it was one dosage and then they throw it away and when whenever they were going to inoculate a white crew member. It, it, the the uh, the little tank in the inoculation had a red mark like a red band and the colored crewmen you know afro-americans they were blue so he was all ready to give him the injection and then he canceled in the last minute so the next the next guy after, after him was a black afro-american crew member and 
he made him wait. He says, oh, hold on, I can't give you the inoculation yet because the guy had to go get a blue one. So he says, already, I don't know why the difference. Why is it that uh, Afro-American crew members were being given a blue-colored uh, vaccine as opposed to a red-colored vaccine? But there you have it. I don't know what year this was, but already back then, they were distinguishing, you know, Caucasian versus Afro-American on in the, so the, the, it doesn't end in Tzatziki, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it begun there, uh, experimenting and playing with the, uh, the different races. Well, we know, or we know, we've been told from a number of different sources that none, the vaccinations are not all the same. That some of them are placebos, some of them have the X in it, some have Y in it, some have X and Y in it, and that the population is really being used as a test population to see what works best. So we don't know what the criteria of is when, you know, does a black person get the placebo and the white people get the one that, you know, can take you over and make you into zombies. Uh, we don't know, but there is. It might still be happening, Walt. We don't know. Oh God! And, and, and you know, the, the thing. One of the things that was pointed out early in the game, and there's quite a fuss made with it. So I think they've changed it now. Was that when you would get the box that had the vial in it, it would have the inserts, but the inserts said page intentionally blank because they didn't want to put the, what was actually in each of the vaccinations in that on that on those papers because then people go wait a minute you got x over here and you got y in this one and x y in this one what are you doing you know so for a while there there wasn't any inserts maybe now that they got the inserts they're they've gone to one thing they settled on one thing or they're just lying <laughs> mm. So it's probably still going on. So, well, that was uh, an interesting conversation. No, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm so antsy about the California race. I keep seeing, you know, the, I keep seeing the. Let's talk the Eagles, okay? You listen to the Shungite show with uh, Yasmin there. Mm-hmm. And I thought about bringing you on, but I really wanted to um, give Yasmin, you know, the opportunity to to shine, so to speak, so that she, sure. you know. So, but I did want to ask you when you were listening to the conversation. I'm sure there were things that you would have said if, if I had brought you into the show. But can you think about any of them? I mean, did anything pop out that you wanted to elaborate on? Or you know, uh, no, all I, no, I, I was I, I don't have questions. All I was doing uh, in the chat is I, I was just providing more info. Like for example, uh, when you had the question whether you didn't know if the um, cloudbuster in Feeland, California, had shungite, so I answered that question and I said it, it has the uh, shungite nuggets but it doesn't have the nectar and it doesn't have some of the other components. And that's in suppose, 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 supposedly Phelan is considered high desert. 
So I don't know how far south that is from uh, Lincoln, where uh, Jasmine is. Uh, I don't know how far. Um, that one is also was a six footer like like Jasmine's. So I was answering. And did, you that did question. you did add nectar to yours? Yes. Yeah. The the difference is the 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 difference so far is that. Two of these eagles, like yours and Thomas, the one that's it's Massachusetts, the nectar, I put nectar individually in each of the eight pipes. But uh, after that, the ones that I, the other eagles that I made, the nectar is mixed in with the shungite in the resin. So the entire resin is has nectar. Nice. I just just like uh, just like shungite powder. The um, silene does the dispersal because the, the problem with Shanghai powder is that it clumps because of has such a high has a high, high charge of static electricity it clumps like a flower, but when you add silene into the mix it immediately works like a dispersal, so it it mixes very well with the uh, resin, and that's what the same thing happens with the nectar it disperses right away. So you get a nice even dispersal, and that's so that's one of the uh, components in the in the resin mix, the Shanghai powder, uh, with and without silver saturation, the nectar and the uh, powdered crystals. Because I use well, that's another thing that I have to do is okay, what <laughs> what crystal powder do you want? Do you want amethyst? Do you want rose quartz? Uh, like for example, um, my, um, Mark's uh, eagle, I kept thousand. It has it has five layers of resin, and it on every single layer it wants it labradorite mix into the in, into the uh, resin mix. I don't know why. Uh, I you you mentioned that <laughs> there's a different the different eagles are slightly different. Because I keep dowsing and it keeps okay, yes to this and no to that. Okay, so then it ends up like this. Like uh, Marks is the first one that I make anywhere that has magnets in it. It has 32 uh, um, uh, what do you call it uh, ceramic uh, magnets oriented in a special way. So I that's I think it's. I don't know if it makes it faster, but sure is dramatic. All, all the change it has done in such a short amount of time. I know why they're different. Do you? I'm, I'm sorry. What? I know why they're different. Do you? My thinking is that because they go to different places and they have different things to do. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's applause <laughs> from the popcorn. <laughs> crap and the posse um yes one size they, does not fit all <laughs> that's right they all have their specific uh uh not sure their specific thing that they came to do as well as to grow within their own self and to grow together to do the things they came to do together and the things they came to do separately. They, I say came, but you were directed to make them the way you made each one of them. So, uh, 
this is going to be very interesting for uh, the people like the popcorn crowd and the posse and angels and the spirit world. They they are watching this closely, and they picked out the certain people where they wanted the, the certain eagles to go to because the people that got the eagles that they got, the specific eagles they got, had the talents and the interest to study and get more information in what the eagles, uh, part of their assignments are. Oh, boy. Mm. Oh, they're happy with how I said it. Okay. Uh, So (laughs) that's why you were feeling so much, uh, getting so much directions from your posse and and your group uh, because it was very it is very important that they were made in the way you made them and yeah like said, for example the 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 length of the pipes like nancy's his is a total height is four feet because you have one foot in the base and then each pipe is three feet so that's a four foot total but these are six feet one foot in the base, five feet on the pipe. So I, obviously they wanted these taller. Yes. Well, they wanted, I don't know, I don't know about polar. I don't know details, Walt, but they say okay. you did the, exactly the way you wanted them to. And now, well, yeah, like huh? your things that are still in the yard and they're still learning stuff. Mm-hmm. They say the eagles are going to be growing into uh, fantastically super things, doing things that we never thought of before. So there, yeah. there's a great excitement about your eagles, Walter. Well, the, another uh, change from the get-go, from the moment I made uh, the first one, which was Nancy's. First, I mean in the sense that it's the first uh, Cloudbuster that has eight pipes as opposed to six. The original design by Don Croft was six pipes. But then one of the things that that hit me when I was working with the design, making sketches on paper, is that it it should have um it should be oriented per the points in the compass like north south east west so it should have eight four pipes do that and then you have four pipes in between so you have northeast northwest southeast southwest so that's why the ever since i made nancy's i i'm making the eagles with eight pipes as opposed to six so you have that north-south orientation. I don't know why, but it feels important. I wish I could talk to my posse like way well, you talk to yours. <laughs> I would ask them more questions. They want you to go with your feeling more. You don't trust your feeling enough. Oh. Just like you just said. <laughs> about your they, they say you need to trust your feelings more. Uh so okay work along work 
like do something because you feel it should be done this way and then check it and see what they say. And maybe mm. that will give you more confidence in yourself rather than asking them first and doing it second. Mm. They're all for that. Yeah. Well, my dowsing was my way of compensating for that three three third line profile of constantly making mistakes in order to learn stuff. I, it gets it gets old fast when you're constantly but, making mistakes. So you could blame uh, the pendulum instead of yourself? Yeah. Yes, but yes my pendulum is broken. See, I did it wrong. Yeah, my pendulum right. is broken. <laughs> Haven't you realized lately that you are doing more on your own before you ask them? Yeah. Well, see, <laughs> you, you get them all jumping around and they make me giggle. So um, that's what they're trying to tell you through me is you need to trust yourself more because you're doing things that you sh that are right before you ask them for their confirmation. So uh, they just, they're all excited if you just follow your thought, your feelings, you will be right more than you're wrong. And they say even they are wrong at times. Mm. I find that hard to believe, but I don't believe it. That's <laughs> <laughs> what they tell me. I believe them. I, I don't even question them anymore. Unless it's something that's radically against what I feel or think. Then well, we like, will example, have a discussion. <laughs> I uh, recently, I think, yeah, last weekend, I modified, um, I made a like a traditional uh, Sperling harmonizer many, many years ago, but um, I did it different in the sense that instead of twisting the wire, that the Sperling harmonizer, for those that know, have seen it or own one, it looks, it kind of looks kind of like a basketball because you have six, um, how can I say? It's like, imagine um, three rings that are one inside the other. So uh, it, it looks like a, like a sphere, but it's made with a twisted wire. But instead of doing it the way they do it, which is to solder together all this wire, so it kind of looks spherical. I actually weaved the wires, so one wire weaves into the next one, and the and the solder point is only at the bottom. So because it doesn't use the traditional AccuVac coil in the center to to do the uh, circulation of the energy to make a, a, a like a donut, the you know the torus field, I used an implosion coil uh, sitting in the in a tube in the center. So the tube is what's it's what's running up and down the center, and it's the implosion coil is soldered in the middle. Now, the tube used to have a liquid inside, and I forgot what it was that I put in it, and I, re I changed it. I took out the liquid, and I replaced it for the, uh, the same resin mix that I used in Nancy's uh, Eagle and all the other Eagles. But now it's in, in the center of this harmonizer. And, and one thing I realized, it used to have a, a copper 
cap at the end of the pipe and I realized it didn't need it because it was blocking the flow of the organ. So I removed the thing out. And once I did it, I realized, um, I don't know if it was, I guess I, like you say, I have to trust my feeling. That's what the, the um, there was an, another energy body for the Shungite to play with. I don't know why the, I didn't come up with this, a dowser, another dowser that came over to my house years ago looked at the structure of this thing and I thought I was just replicating a Sperling harmonizer. That's that that was my only intention. And he he came out saying uh, he because he was a dowser and also like a kind of a like a channeler like you because he he uh claimed to be able to chat with uh Slim Sperling. He says sometimes he sh- he shows up when I'm doing something in my workshop and I I didn't say anything because I didn't know much about that. That was many years ago. But when he looked at the structure that I had put together, he says, oh, I see what you're doing. I said, what? What am I doing? I, I thought this is just a harmonizer. He said, no, no, this is this is a temporal device. This thing can actually project itself forwards or backwards in time. I said, what? What makes you say that? I'm telling you, that's what it does. This this implosion coil that you have in the center makes that determination. And I said, okay. And I'm just looking with wide eyes because the first time that I hear of it. And then I never pursued uh, this because I, how, how do you use something like that? Or what do you do with it? So by putting the Shanghai in it and giving the Shanghai another energy device to play with, uh, I guess I'm leaving it to the Shanghai to practice and learn. Okay, here's another toy for you to play with, because that's what I'm saying to Shanghai. You know, it's a sentient living thing, but it needs energy devices to express itself. Like we need these bodies with legs and arms, because otherwise we would just be a lump of jelly sitting in a in a tank, right? Just brains. <laughs> we need a body to express ourselves. And that's Shanghai. You give Shanghai an energy body to express itself, and this changes the weather. <laughs> Walt, have you seen that Marvel uh, movie that's called Venom? No, I've seen the. I saw the first version of it, the one with uh, Cotter. Uh, I forget the the actor. The name of the actor that was in the, in that nineties shows. He played the bad guy. And the, uh, oh, I the, I, this this was I I don't know I mean I think it was nineteen that this thing came out twenty nine yeah the solution the solution was sound venom did not tolerate sound certain right. frequencies right right but did you make a connection between like black goo and venom because it was this black goo thing that was would possess them and then there was a sentience and then this you know love relationship that comes about between the venom I, and the I, black goo i saw the film before i knew any of that stuff but now yeah. that you mentioned it, it yeah it's it's a perfect tie-in well mark mark Don't they, say that, <laughs> they say they say they put these clues in movies there it is tough for grace um 
Mark Mark was one that first pointed out to me quite a while ago, and then he mentioned it to me recently, and I said, oh yeah, what's the name of it again? Okay, I'll look it up, you know. And I did, but I couldn't find a, a, a live video. It was all the tra trailers and stuff. And then uh, a week later, I turn on the television, and I'm going through what's on, you know. Oh, Venom is on. <laughs> so... <laughs> I saw it. I watched it. And it was one of those uh, situations where, you know, I'm going like, it wasn't that great a movie. But I did want to just see where they took it with this concept of this black goo that could get inside of you and then use you as a host. And, and, and they were trying to get into a symbiotic relationship where the human being would maintain their identity, but you know, be able to work with this black goo. I don't, they, I, they, they were calling it something else. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting, uh, an interesting well, story. I can see that the, you, I see that you must have seen the second machine because in the second movie, because in the Topher Grace uh, version, um, that black, the uh, Venom entity was actually exploiting personality weaknesses in the host in order to exploit them. And that, like Topher Grace, he wanted that power and he kind of felt uh, inadequate for some things. So that, that that kind of weakness was ideal for Venom to take advantage of it. If a person has, if you had a very strong personality, very difficult for this entity to take you over. So it would make sense that would be a likely candidate for, you know, to be uh, used by another entity because it has that weakness that you will succumb to. I'm not exactly sure that it is the same one. What you know, it might have seen. A no, that the one you're seeing is the se the second the second movie that was done based on on Venom. The the first one with with uh, what do you call it Topher Grace and uh, Toby Maguire what played the role of Spider-Man? Yeah, no, he was not in it. Yeah, that you're looking at the second one. Ah. I don't know the name of that actor. Oh, interesting. Because in the second one, there is no Spider-Man. The uh, Venom is the star of the show. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, there was no Spider-Man in it. No. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, it was kind of a. Well, you don't, you know, because it's. We talked about last week. We were talking about um, uh, Thomas Sheridan and his concept of the symbology that was apparent in the uh, 9/11 attacks, and this concept of timelines, you know, and how a really big event in the annals of the universe can cause, cause ripples in time that people in the past can start writing about something in the future. And so it's not necessarily that the people that are writing about black goo actually are in on the conspiracy thing and, be, you know, going along with a, a story to, to, you know, tell us what they're going to do so that if we don't say, no, you're not going to do it, well, then they can do it, you know, that type of thing. But maybe it's 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 less of the woo woo stuff and more of a simple concept of the collective consciousness 
you know, because of the impact of that on the framework of, in quotes, time, um, it feeds down like a thought, like you pulled out a thought, you know, gee, I wonder what this is. How, why is it that so many people were building the radio at the same time? Because they had opened up the same file in the collective consciousness and were pulling from it, you know. So <laughs> you that's why I criticized uh, that's why I criticized Wilcox's statement of releasing this prophecy because he himself has criticized the well he the the claim was made and and the information that um, Dali sent me is that at the end of all the raw material that they were able to gather the the three people there was some major prophecy at the end and in in other presentations in the past, Wilcock has stated openly that the church is responsible for hiding prophecies so that they will come to pass. By not sharing it with the human collective, human consciousness cannot work on it. Therefore, they secure that that uh, prophecy, which m m the majority of them are, are, are about bad things that are going to happen, makes them look good. Oh, see, we knew about it. You know, the, oh, we are with the saints and with our saviors and everything, blah, blah, blah. But kept the prophecies from the public so that they would come to pass. And here he's doing the same thing because according to him, they, they, were, they had this prophecy at the end of, because uh, they wrote like five books from all the information that they got from Ra. And according to him, the last information they were given was a prophecy was so dire, so bad, so negative about all, everything that's happening right this very minute that they didn't release it. But not everything is lost. And I'm saying, wait a minute, this is the same ploy that the church uses. Hide the prophecy so that human consciousness doesn't have a chance to have an impact on it. This guarantees that it's going to play. So it made me angry because I'm thinking, oh, so he's using this to, he, now he's going to make money on it because now everybody's focused on, on getting this prophecy and see what's the result of this movie. I, I thought, I don't know, that was a lousy play from my perspective because it should have, unless these people were threatened with badly bodily harm by the cabal at the time, because they got this information, I think, in, in the early 90s, and they were threatened if they published this. I don't know. But what's the reason for not, you know, this? if, if Ra gave you this information, this should have been shared. So now, am I understanding that Wilcox has come out with some new program and he was talking about this subject on that program? Is that where this is coming from? Yeah, yeah, that's the the three hour presentation was meant was solely was entirely dedicated to this final prophecy from Ra. That who knows now? Who knows what it is? Wilcock. Oh, David you knows. Know. David knows what it is. I exactly. sent it. I sent it to you, Nancy. I haven't, had, I haven't had time to look at the email. Sorry <laughs> about that. Um, no, just for in the future, if you want to see it. Um, no. It makes sense that he would know it because he lived with them for some, I don't know how many months, but he actually lived there on, on that property. I think it was in Kentucky. 
their organization used well, to Well, is, is he, did he relate the information or did he just said the information was there? He never told what it was all about? Nope. And he's now doing, he's now, had a three-hour presentation about this this prophecy. And he's he's doing this for what reason? If he's not if he's not going to tell us there is a what the prophecy is, why is he telling us this now? Does he say anything regarding that? Oh, but because the uh, what's happening is was foretold in the prophecy. But not everything is lost. There is something, but I'm thinking this sounds like a ploy for a movie. That, um, you mean I, he did a three-hour video that that I sent you where you could listen if you wanted? He did three hours of and told you nothing. I didn't. I'm not going to listen to three hours of anything he oh, I says anymore. anymore. Uh. So maybe he is saying what the prophecy is. All I'm saying is that. I find it kind of suspicious that you're waiting for this time to release this so that you're capitalizing on this. So people are thinking, oh, look, he's so qualified. Oh, he knows so much. And now he he knows that we're being injected with poison. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Let's look at the, if he knows what the end of the movie is. So that's what bothered me about that. That's why I said to you in the email, I'd rather listen to Nancy Hopkins or Dolly Howard. Now let, let me let me let me ask the chat room: Has anybody seen the whole three hours? Does he ever tell what the prophecy is? Because this is just fear mongering. If he if he didn't, <laughs> this is just insanity. And I'm sorry that David took that road. We used to like David. Used to. Yep. Yeah. That's why I didn't listen because. The last few times I did listen to him, he was just full of BS. Well, to me, to me, the presenters uh, are, I can always separate them, you know, by what, by whatever clues I get from what they say. Like, for example, Nancy is my number one. She's the number one clue giver. She'll say a word or a sentence and I can take, actually take off, and I, I've actually made things based on the clues that she drops. I mean, that's why I call her the clue dropper. That, to me, makes her, you know, a special person because it gives you, like, plenty of clues. But when I read and read and read what someone presents and I get nothing, nothing, not a single clue out of whatever they said, that, to me, is I just wasted my time. Maybe I'm biased that way. Sorry. <laughs> Diane says, "I she listened to it. Nothing new that I heard. See, that's what I <laughs> thought was going to happen. I wasn't going to waste three hours of that or that." Hmm. <laughs> I'm here just laughing. I'm going like, "Oh man, another one bites the dust." Remember when we used to have Fulford on every week? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about him a couple of weeks ago. I said, "I wonder is he still out there?" You know, I haven't looked to yeah, him. Yeah, he's still out there. Is he still telling things that never come true? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, jeez. So was that a yes or a no? To what? What's the to, question? Is he still telling things that don't come true? Oh, I don't think that Walt's listening to him. He just knows he's out there. Oh. oh. 
You know, I want to make I want to make a, a, another observation, and that was the interesting thing that happened on 9/11 on the anniversary, because you have you know the oligarchy of the Clintons and the Bushes and uh, the Bidens, uh, all of the uh, ceremony there in uh, Ground Zero, and then you had Trump that went to the police and the firehouses and you know this type of thing. But the audi- the oddity of that day, of what happened there, was that Biden never said anything to the crowd. He never spoke at all. But George Bush got up. Remember the guy that was standing there? I hear you. The world hears you. You know that guy? And he stands up there, and he essentially, if you boil down all the you know, way that he said it, it boils down to he was making a case that all these people who are, you know, the new terrorists in America, i.e. the Trump supporters, i.e. those that won't get the vaccination, you know, like us, that we are the new terror organization. We have the same inhumanity and disregard for life and want to kill and... the. That, that took down the towers. He's actually t- made a case at the 20th anniversary of this terrible event that the new threat is us. And, I mean, between what Bush said that day and then Biden following up, declaring war on <laughs> basically three-quarters of the, of the citizenry, I mean, commentators were saying, did he just declare civil war? You know, so we are in a very strange place. Don't focus on it. Just go about your business, laugh, and have a good time, and keep an eye on it. Just because it's an interesting story, but you don't have to play the game. And we're kind of at the end of the the show. So you want to say good night, dear Dolly. Good night, y'all. Thanks for being here. Love you, Nancy Rock, and all you. Good night. And Walt, I wanted to ask you, can people buy the um, eagle on your site, which is uh, newparadigmtools.net? Can they? Let me double check. I wonder what the guy has been doing lately. What guy? Let's see. This guy. Yes, it's the first item in the product list. It's called the Eagle Shanghai Cloudbuster. Okay. So if you've got the money to spend and you want to participate, there you have it. But you don't need to. Remember, you do not need to. You can make etherics. Just see an image of it. Take one of the pictures you can use. Now there's four of them out there. You can use any one you want. You know? And um, all the, do we have the permission from the guy in Massachusetts? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did send me the photo, so I, I asked and he he complied. He was kind enough to send me a photo of it. Okay. I almost spaced out. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Be safe. <laughs> Good night. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart as a guide.